Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this, this is Story, Story So, so Farscape. Farscape. Hello, Kay. Hi, Kaki. Or, as they say in Spanish, buenos dias. Buenos dias. Or, or as we learned in the excellent sort of Spanish lesson segment of the Dutch comedy program Creative Met Kirk uh, from way back when, sombreros. Sombreros. <laughs> sombreros, Jose. What's in your basket? Un paquera papuda papera. Y unas papas. Un papera. Anyway, this rule makes no sense to anybody in the English-speaking community. Nor would what Crichton has been has been jammering lately. Like he's peppering a lot of Spanish in his in his words. Lately. I notice. Yes. How did they land? Do you think in the in the old translated microbes? I assume they would just like pick them up. Okay. Yeah. By the way, this is season four, episode six, natural selection. Yes. But we're already into it. No, but like think about it. You when you choose specifically a word in a second language, like not yeah. even a loan word, right? Mm-hmm that you and presumably the receiver know, then there is additional information. Like, you're not just using the meaning of the word, you're also choosing this other language, which has additional information. Uh, so I how guess do you convey it, that? It depends extra. on how the translator microbes work, I suppose. Effortlessly, so far. Yeah, so clearly, they. why would they have a problem with this? Okay, then what does it look like for for Sikozu? Who- well, she was delighted. You could see the expression on her face, especially in the beginning. One of the first opening shots, you can just see this look of absolute delight on her face when she's looking at John, when, oh, he's, when yes. he's counting in Spanish. Uh, okay, but he's also about to predict a scientific miracle. But I don't get the impression that that's what she's... You think so- she likes the Spanish? I think she, I mean, she's all about the languages. She's the language wonder. That's true. I mean, by necessity. I know, but still... Right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I just got that impression when he was like doing the Spanish countdown, and like, yeah, she was just looking. Everybody else is looking at the, the view screen yeah. and try, uh, seeing what's going to happen, but she was looking at John. I know that I did it by accident by jumping in, but I kind of think it's appropriate that we sort of sucked into discussing it immediately. Because, man, Natural Election, I'd sort of forgotten about it. It is an episode-ass episode, isn't it? It is. It's interesting. It's like, so we have basically the crisis going on, which is, you know, just just the crisis. And then there's a yeah. few other things happening at the same time. I mean, it's kind of cool that it's a, that it's a plant thing. Yeah, but it's also kind of weird. So Yeah. Anyway, we still need to talk about what our listeners said about yes, this episode. Yes, exactly. Because they showed up once again. All right. So, what happened to the stars? See plant, shoot plant is Dago's favorite motto. It turns out that no one can keep a secret. And onions <laughs> everywhere. The old lady sure knows how to make good salad. Thank you, Going Metal 799. After straying too close to a wormhole, the crew are in the weeds. Oh, I like that. Yeah. No matter how much Dargo enjoys shooting things, it may not be the answer to their problems. Luckily, the houseplants are as fond of grasshoppers as everyone else is. Time to break out my first chemistry set... What could go wrong? Thank you, Marky C. And some weird space plant. Moya's in pain. The witch's brew is down the drain. Ski goggles on. Please don't tell John. We're all screwed up. Let's try again. And thank you, Rick, from the Delta Quadrant for another zinger. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's season four, episode six. And man, this feels like such a... I think even Ben Browder called it just a regular old ship show. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> We've got a new writer... She hadn't contributed before. That's Sophie C. Hopkins. And according to David Kemper, like, she just got it straight away. Yeah, Dr. Water. Yeah, lots of fun. Some some good banter. Like, it's a bit scary. 
Literally. It's a little. It's typical, you know, science fiction episode. Scary. Yeah, it's like oh, there's oh, there's a crisis. Oh, and so the lights are off and you can't see. Very oh, that, much. Yeah, that was a lot of very daring uh, artistic choice to uh, film it like that. Yeah, right. Well, there was a lot of dark stuff going on, but it was well done, I think. I think so too. We haven't seen it that dark since Eat Me. I think in season three. Oh, right on the Cannibal Leviathan. So yes. Um, Oh, I've got a button for it. Come on, we'll be you. Oh, yes, of course. Prepare for Starburst. Well, no Starbursting this episode. No, mm. none at all. Uh, I'm surprised that it never even got suggested as a solution. There was a time when it was their solution for everything, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, they were still in the running away phase of things. They seemed to be... Slightly more out of that. John is predicting a wormhole. Everybody's kind of like skulking around on the command, waiting for this to happen. Apparently, Rigel is temporary captain. I get the impression that they decided to take turns. I demand the same respect and obedience. It's a rotating seat. The best solution to, yes. is to not make a choice is to... Well, they, say, they literally say, like, until we, we have our election. Oh, yeah. We're, we're on a rotating... Everybody's taking turns. And it's Rigel's turn, apparently. He is, yes, quite happily fulfilling the role. Also quite diligently, I would say. Something that, I mean, I guess he was a uh, dominar of uh, 17 billion people. And, you know, he knows responsibility. He just chooses not to exercise (laughs) it most of the time. Yeah, it's really noisy up on the command. I don't know why everyone is hanging out here. Because they want to see the wormhole. Uh, Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I like that Dargo has built another shield quin. Oh, yes. Which is noisily tuning. Much to uh, Rigel's chagrin. And Erin's as well. Because Erin's skulking around. Like, you see her sort of changing her mind a few times. Mm-hmm. Pacing as much as Crichton is. Because she wants to talk to him. Yes. Which eventually, after Crichton's countdown in Spanish and then... Nothing. No yep. Big disappointment. She plucks up the courage to turn to him and say, Hey, can we uh, can we talk? Uh, My quarters. Yeah. All right. And John's like, yeah, we can talk. And just as they're about to skulk off behind the bleachers, between, no, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have been going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a little bit of eyebrow raising. Suddenly the wormhole pops up anyway. So quickly before we go on to that, John's wormhole sense, okay, it, it's kind of like implied that he's not doing this through math but he has him developed himself a sort of third sense for wormhole. A third sense, you or say? Or whatever, a fourth sense, fifth sense, like maybe foresight, <laughs> no, <okay>. five sight. <laughs> uh, much like some people have a forehead and then there's folks like me who have a five head, yes. <laughs> How many arms do you have? Well, you've got two arms and you've got two forearms, so that's like... <laughs> that's ten total. Ah, oh, so we're squid. We're some form of cephalopod. There we go. But yes, I mean... Do you know, hold on, is, hold on, hold on. Do you know that eight of those are arms and they've only got two tentacles? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's weird. Yes, they're weird. Sorry. But yes, John, he seems to have, at least the implication is that he's not been mathing it. He's like sensing it. Yeah, I get what you mean. They were they were really going for that. They talked about it in the, in the Visual Companion book, mm-hmm. that they wanted to be like more mystical than, uh, right. than scientific. Yeah. I mean, in, in the opening scene, you could go either way. But later on in the episode, when the uh, wormhole appears again, it's very much like John is like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen soon. You know, I'm not sure, but it's going to happen. I'm not sure when, but Don't it, know it's, when. Coming, it's Don't coming know closer. Where. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. 
there's a part of me that's that's disappointed because I'm a you know a child of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I like the humanist rationalist approach to the universe that everything is ultimately comprehensible and explicable because it it makes sense. Mm. But I also kind of like this this idea that. Well, it's the film Arrival and its particular take on the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, how language alters thought, cognition mm-hmm. specifically, that the concept that there is knowledge that you can have that alters your perception of, of the universe, alters how you think. And I kind of dig that it's possible for this knowledge to exist in, in a mind. That's when the mind becomes capable of sensing the thing that the knowledge okay. is trying yeah. to express. That seems to make sense. Yeah. I mean, certainly when it's something I mean, you know, higher dimensional, right. like a. And we don't know what the ancients have instilled in John's brain, other than the the hidden away knowledge. Right. Yeah. I mean, there may even be like directional sense for migratory animals, like birds, mm. that have magnetic sensitivity that yeah. they are not aware of. No. Right. They just make their decisions based on on what they experience. Turns but, out. Pigeons follow highways, though. Huh. They tend to follow roads, oddly enough, when well, they're going home. <laughs> there's other forms of input as well. well <laughs> but yes, a wormhole appears. John is like, oh, yeah, we got it, we got it. Like He doesn't try to do anything. Everyone's really excited, by the way. Like, she's yeah. jumping up in, in celebration. They're hugging him because it is a, an incredible accomplishment. The Fronick actually predicted a wormhole. He did it. Pilot is a little bit miffed, though. This wormhole is a great deal larger and closer than your assurances. He's still calling him Commander, actually, even though uh, I guess it's just his title. It's his rank. Yeah. It makes sense, yeah. Right, still calls an officer. Yeah. And Crichton suggests, okay, backing off before Rigel asserts his authority, and Crichton defers, yeah, whatever. But it doesn't matter because the wormhole already disappears again, and moments later there's suddenly a big bang and all Dren breaks loose. Yep. New crisis, we go to the credits, return, everything's bathed in red and mist. I've never seen Moya in red before. Haven't we? Oh, okay. I don't know, it just it just felt so so richly saturated. Um, I mean, it, it's a bottle show that takes place entirely on the established sets, and mm-hmm. yet Farscape always manages to make the familiar look unfamiliar. Well, they do have the, 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 the weird fans in here. Oh, yes. That was one of my only notes that I have, because I did my research as usual, and there is almost nothing about this episode. Among other things, because one of my latter-day key resources, the Snurcher's Guide, which is mm-hmm. really excellent, had a feature that I, I really appreciated where they linked snippets from various message board chats with some of the creators mm-hmm. to various episodes. And that hasn't been done for season four, so I guess they sort of fell out of that, okay. uh, that habit back in the day. But like the only note that I was able to find which came from one of the fun facts on the DVD, is that a new set was built by Tim Ferrier, the set designer, which... Okay, yeah, so that's probably the fan, fan room. room. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, I'm just going to say one thing on that. Those fans, they kind of look like they escaped from Breath of the Wild. You know, they, <laughs> like, you know, the, the Divine Beasts, what they're called. Ooh. Uh, and, like, these fans don't do anything. They're just, like... If at any luck they stir up the they air a little might, bit, hey, they might be they might operate on principles that you're not aware yes, of. Yes, like we have fans which are do, we do not operate on aerodynamic principles. That sounds like very as much. If, <laughs> you say that as if aerodynamic principles are understood, as if there is a theory of aerodynamics which there isn't. True. Okay. However, where okay, okay, yes, go on. A fan blade, which doesn't have any curvature to it, it's got hollows. Okay, so we're talking surface effects. Like, yeah, I'm not buying it. 
Why not? Look, I've seen boats mm-hmm. that are propelled by cylinders sticking up that are spinning. Yeah. And someone explained to me that these are sail, question mark, It's a Magnus, Magnus effect. Oh, well, I happen to know the Magnus effect. Okay, yeah, that's where you can throw a basketball down yes. the side of a... And if it's spinning, <laughs> then it'll spin away right. from the... Yeah. Yeah. Bugger. So... <laughs> <laughs> so... What are the Magnix effect is maybe right. what they're based on. And then we've got this other weird fan, which is like almost into chomper territory, uh, which we see right at the end, which oh, have the, 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 the two curved fan blades. Again, which have absolutely no actual aerodynamic uh, surface curvature that to them. we know of. They're just chopping. They're, it's just a meat grinder. Yeah. Okay, what is, a, what is a regular fan if you put... Kind of like a propeller, you know? No, but it... Uh, any fan can be used like a meat grinder if you spin it fast enough oh, and course, if, but, if it happens to be an Indiana but this one Jones does, But film. this one doesn't have, like, you know, what we recognize as aerodynamic properties. I'll... Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But it's spacey-wacy. Yes. Sciencey uh, yeah, Right? Anyway, we've dwelled way too long on this subject already. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You're completely right. None of it resembles anything that we would recognize as... Except, well, no, that's, and that's... I guess that's my point. It kind of looks like a fan, but it doesn't have anything that we would recognize it as making it work like a fan. Okay, so it looks like solutions that we would use, except... They would clearly wouldn't work uh, by way of what we know. Yeah, exactly. Yes, by our experience, that wouldn't work. Right. So then make it like, yeah, make it look like something else. And then this is the fan. Like, oh, we have got this weird ribbed surface and there's a flux effect or whatever. The moist skin ripples are causing this, uh, you know, more like a peristaltic movement uh, creating an air stream. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Oh, oh, now I really want like a Farscape the next generation where they can actually do that with sort of modern standard. Oh, Okay, so pilot's in distress. Rigel is also in distress. What happened to the stars? What happened to the stars? It seems to really bother him. Yeah. It's pitch black out there. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, he didn't like mud. Maybe that's what it's sort of triggering for him. Mm, Maybe, yeah. Lots of people have little moments of freakouts. Like later on when Shiana crawls up through the ducts to inspect how it goes. I noticed that, yeah. She was like, she did not like what was going on up there. No, she's just actually, barely keeping it together. I actually had that written down, yes. Like, she, Chiana being oddly disturbed. Right? Before she even talks about what she saw, she says, okay, I'm definitely I'm not, not going down there. You, you're going to send Rigel. Okay, you've got to reassure me there. And then, okay, I also want my comms, and I want my weapons. All right, okay. You yeah, that, like, now got okay, my- like, something freaked her out in there. <laughs> Some people have a safety blanket. She has a safety gun. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, no, that that still totally works. I love Granny's uh, glowy third eye, which, which we see several times during yes. the episode. We've seen that a couple of times before, and production designers had a sort of concept for like what the colors sort of mean that they reflect her, her oh, mood. That um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, a sort of blue for calm, purplish for like inquisitive, red for distress, passionate, but they also wanted it to be, like, non-obvious because she is a complicated woman. She is Mm. hundreds of cycles old and, well, doesn't appear to be all there, does she? Uh, She does not. The Divine Eternal, I believe she's referred to. Like, have we heard that before? Okay, so you're talking about the vote at the end? Yeah. 
I don't know how to interpret that. Yes, it could be that she was referring to herself as the divine eternal because she clearly cast a vote for it. Yeah. Or it might or be she? a goddess or god or oh, that's possible a, a deity well. that she right. voted for. You know, like she voted for Elvis. Okay, well, cool. <laughs> Wasn't on the ballot. Right, yeah, okay, so that was it. But, okay, they break up into teams very wisely. Aaron, like, it's so business. Aaron says, okay, we need to do a skin check because Moya yeah, can't and, and sense anything. And I'm like, oh, hold start. that's going to take a while with the ship to start Moya. Uh, yeah, and so she brings some, some help, and the first person that's there is Chiana. That's how they sort of form teams. Yeah. Like, this needs to be done now. You, you, you me. with me, yeah. yeah okay, good. Two-person job, we're off doing that. Trust Crichton to then figure out what's the next thing that needs doing. Well, basically the same, but from the outside. Dargo, you and me. Yeah. All right, everybody else, stick here. Which is where we, the audience, get a shot of Moya from the outside, now covered in this briar bush or... Yeah. It's, like, it's almost like Spanish moss-looking stuff. I like that. But with purple things included. And shortly after, Dargo and John are cracking open a hatch and having a look on the outside. Take a little sample back. Yeah. They alternately call it a plant and a fungus. Yeah. Which bothered me because they are completely different kingdoms of life. No, true. But okay. But, you know, spacey-wacey, timey-wimey. We have those kingdoms here on Earth. I mean, other planets yes, might that's have entirely right. different. And even then, those kingdoms are... Eh, yeah, yeah, sort of best effort. Yeah, we'll see how it works. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Scorpius was stuck away in one of the cells. Goes like, oh, hey, guys, maybe he's like... Uh, Four. I mean, five. I mean, fire. Sick <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it crowd reference I'll, there. I'll put the fire over here with the rest of the fire. <laughs> Can somebody maybe come over here? It's like, we've got better things to do. Well, it's like things are on fire here, so maybe not. Fire on a ship is our number one priority, Gianna. Sikozu is on the scene first, and she's already already dousing the fire, which Chiana, when she arrives, to an open door. Yeah, Chiana's pissed. She does not like that. Yeah, Sikosi even points out, does he look like he's trying to escape? He probably set that fire. Yeah, and to which he mentions, I did that, I'm very good, because there's another one right over there at the end of the corridor. (laughs) And then we see Sikosu doing her face again when she looks at Scorpius. (gasps) How did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Sikosu is clearly enamored with Scorpius in one way, form or the other. But yeah, she tells her off kind of quite aggressively. Yeah. She and Sikosu are still a little bit... Uh, I mean, they work together fine on other places as well, but occasionally Chi still needs to show her who is top dog in this yeah. ship. And also, like, she rightly points out... But we know Scorpius better than you do. Mm, very good, yes. Dargo uh, and Crichton blasting their way through the exterior in Lola get a good view of the ship. Uh, are we that far ahead yet? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. This episode goes quick. In yeah. fact, I mean... Well, actually, it does go quick and then not at all. It, it's weird like that. Hey, how about this? We blast through the plot and then we talk about the gossip. Because okay. that's the... Right, the A plot, which is, you know, this this peril, fairly simple. Uh, True, yeah. This plant has snuck up on Moya for its precious right. metals. Yes, it's, it's, got a, it's a metal dissolving plant. It's managed to get its way into the ship, spread its way around through the ship. And it's more little, aggressive when attacked. And little, Yes. So Sikozu says, uh, don't shoot and don't shoot. And just after Dargo has pr- professed his love for shooting things. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually put into words before. I love shooting things. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I'm really good at it. <laughs> 
So, yes. There's, and there's, true to his word, like, it's very precise. Like, they blast this plant off the exterior of Moya, and nobody feels it. Well, Sokozo goes like, oh, don't shoot, don't shoot. And the dog goes like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I, they didn't even notice it. See, that's how good I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, then, of course, like, yes, Aldrin breaks loose. Scorpius has noticed something funny, which is that the plant recedes when he approaches it. Yes. And this sets into motion what felt like a very, like, sort of Star Trek The Next Generation investigate the problem and solve it. Yes. Trying how, to... How are we, yeah, what are we going to do about this? It turns out that it's the cooling sticks. Yeah. Uh, which then get investigated by Granny. Well, actually, Granny was the first one to discover that the plant is, like, quite capable of sensing things because it knows when it's being attacked. And, like, and it does... It's definitely not a frog that sits in the pot while it's being slowly boiled because it eats its way through the pot. Yes. Is... Literally, like, demented through this this episode. I know that that's a word that's used as a, as an epithet. But, like, in the form of senile dementia, she sort of exhibits the flexibility of focus that people who experience senile dementia... I would say she's, dementia, she's kind of always been like that. It didn't, like, strike to me as being particularly out of sp- a character. She's always been a little weird in her, like, drifting off into side things and not seemingly on the same plane of cognition as everybody else's. Yeah. Which you have, hey, by the way, interpreted as deception. Yes. How do you feel about that now? Less so. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I didn't get any particular feeling of her this time around that she had her own agenda. Huh. Which I have in all the previous uh, occasions when this comes up. Then it feels like she's doing things it felt like she was being sneaky, and I didn't get that f- impression here. She seemed right, to be more strategy. She to seemed to her. be more distressed here about like her discoveries and the implications thereof and uh, the solutions. Yeah, I didn't get a deceptive vibe of her this way. No, this I time see around. what you mean. I mean, Farscape is not known for having you know characters with their own agendas that they they take ages and ages to develop. And <laughs> no, the, hardly the, ever. <laughs> secrets that are, that are hidden in plain sight that you just don't notice about. No, no, no. You're right. Exactly. It's a much more plain show because yes, uh, they decide to like dilute the uh, let's be fair glow stick juice. Yes, right. It's and, definitely and that. then spread it through the through the ship by moving it into the fan room and letting it like waft around and thereby destroy the plant. But the plant is cunning and it manages to attack the one fan shaft, which is like a huge, yeah, and break it up at several places where even the plant wasn't attached to it. It crashes, ca- causes a bit knocks of an explosion over the almost, yeah. And the witch's brew is it, down the drain. Okay, so the one thing that I kind of missed here is like Scorpius's protest, because like they they yeah. basically asked collect the glow sticks, and it's a decent bundle, maybe like twenty or thirty of them, and that's what he needs to stay alive. Uh, yes, he doesn't have a new supply of those things. No. Like, earlier on, Rigel, in an early, earlier episode, Rigel was taking great delight in just smashing some. But yeah, that's his cooling system. Yes, and until they can get to like, another commerce planet and pick up some more, which, I mean, I've no idea how common these things are. Right? Considering the, the way he uses them, they might very well be custom-made. Or, on the other hand, his cooling system, yeah, I'm thinking about it now, his cooling system was initially developed when he was quite young and still sort of moving about, so he would want replaceable parts. But that's when it was still in the backpack. I'm thinking about the moment when he was recruited right. into the peacekeepers. Well, it was the... I mean, he probably had it already because it was the diagnostician who implanted the cooling system in his head. So in that scene, when he was given his first commission, he had tubes running from his head into a backpack. Right. So maybe the rods are like a next-generation version of the cooling system that mm-hmm. are much more self-contained, but therefore also bespoke. 
Yeah, perhaps. Although, I mean, if I had something like that installed, I would want something that you can get everywhere, you know? Like, well, if you have I'm, the choice between something you can get everywhere and something that you uh, but need a backpack for, right, and something yeah. self-contained, mm, true. Especially if you rise higher in the ranks and true. But even then, like you know, it's like if you're so yeah. dependent on it, you probably want to go for something that's at least you know, not maybe not generally available, but not like you don't have to go to this one planet where, right, is the one, yeah, the, the only t- it's an yeah. awful uh, dependency, right. So, you know. okay, so with that all out of the way. Naranti has a realization where she sort of saves the day because she thinks chemistry is overrated and you're much better off by eating things, cooking things. Yeah, she's a bit peculiar like that, yes. Stewing and cooking, she tasting the plant and like, oh, what's this? And can I work work it out flavor-wise? Much to Sikozu's chagrin, who is like much more about the scientific method and she is not happy with the way uh, Granny is uh, approaching this matter. It's a really interesting contrast, isn't it? Like mm. for, for Naranti... <sighs> Science is much more experiential. Like she talks about how, like when she eats some of the fungus and some of this, she can actually feel the fungus is dying, and she can sort of taste why it's happening through a very like intimate experience. Like, mm. oh yes, it's yes. Uh, it's anterium forex. This is the sort of a pursing of the taste buds and lightly radioactive. You know, there's a little bit of crunch put on the salad. Yes, and they figure out like, okay, oh, we can do this. Uh, and this time it's like, oh, how are we going to get that? She goes like, do you not know your own ship? Again, like uh, displaying her knowledge of leviathans. Yeah. And goes like, ah, oh, this stuff is like very common. We have this on board. It runs in the whatever the ducts it is. That's, got tubes uh, and tubes of it. So, plan is to actually go and distribute it through the ship. Yep, saturate Moya with this gas, then ignite it, which will irradiate the ship. Not a problem for Chiana, because her skin reflects radiation yep. as an Nabari. We don't tan, but we don't burn either. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair. John, not so much. He gets, like, some gold paint dabbed on his face, even that before he really suits cute. up. Yes, it did. Yep. Erin uh, says that she can handle it. Yes, okay, you can... But the baby, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dargo also doesn't seem to be particularly affected by it. We don't see what happens to Naranti. Dargo has to stay aboard Lola in order to be able to use it because the the, the rest of the crew are hiding out in there to use her radiation shielding. Except for Rigel and and Scorpius, who are with Pilot. Yep. Apparently Uh, also not a problem for either of those two. I guess as a healthy adult of certain species, you have a higher tolerance. Not a Sikozu, who says that even a slight exposure to yeah, eon radiation. Yes. Oh, that's oh, not how you pronounce ion. ion. Yes, no. But uh, yeah, we'll kill three of her like vital organs or something like that. It's a delicate little flower, isn't yes. she? Yes. Well, I mean, in certain ways. I mean, she apparently she has a very efficient digestive system. Yes, one meal per three days. She can reattach lost limbs. She can mm. walk on the... Speaking of lost limbs... Didn't, like, Scorpius chop up another one of Pilot's arms? Yeah, that's sort of what it looks like. Yeah? Yeah, because just before... I mean, there's a, there's a bit of peril. Like, the, the, the plan works. The ship is irradiated, but at the wrong moment, Pilot wakes up. <laughs> As a freak out, yes. Pilot's getting a bit of a, a bum... Uh, bum rap. Bum rap. Well, not a bum rap, but he's like getting a bit of a... Uh, yeah, unfortunate... Uh, He's feeling all of Moya's pain, which there's a lot of. And uh, he is himself infected with the fungus as well. Oh, that was like, ooh. That like, looks so like creepy scary when like, I know. like he had this ball of stuff which looked like he was trying to cough up. I thought I'm he was like... this black ooze. Yeah, that was like, ooh. 
super scared. But yes, just as... Uh, I wonder what it was like for the creature shop because they just made a brand new skin. I was thinking of that. Like they went like... Just oh, prettied up this, this puppet and now we have to hang moss over it and have goo running out of its orifices and... I bet they loved it. Probably. That was actually the only probably, the other yes. only note that I had that the creature shop actually went back to the script department which they don't very often do and said, hey, can you put in a scene where we can where we actually see the master plant? There isn't a master plan. Yeah, but if there was, they were going to do Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to your lab, nerd. I mean, that could have been, uh, yeah, a pilot like that. But, but yes, yeah. so what happens is, like, they want to, like, they have the DRD spread around. They're going to, like, shoot. Apparently, all the DRDs can shoot now. 1812 is in charge. He's becoming the chief DRD, it seems, almost. Yeah. And just as Rigel is meant to give the command to shoot, pilot wakes up. Ah, well, and, and grabs him by the neck and holds him away. Yeah. And yeah, Scorpius has to fight his way free from the restraints that he's in. Yep, and which it he does was... with surprising ease. Yeah. It's like he's kind of been faking it that he couldn't get out of those so far. So he's again like allowing himself to be captured. But yeah, now he just like those chains, they go pretty easily. Yeah. And I think he basically lops off one of it Pilot's does sort arms. Of it looks, looks like, like that. that. Or yeah. at least whacks it. Yeah. Uh, Pilot's in distress. Rigel is free. Rigel takes ages to find this huge button right in front of his nose. Oh, that's later. So for when it comes to the firing sequence, oh, that works he pushes yeah, that sorry, one. Sorry, it's the other one, yeah. And then it takes ages because the fans are on and Chiana and John are oh, being yeah, sucked that's, into that's it. Turn the, off the fans, the turn off the fans. Yes. And so, yeah, the, like that took way too long. I think the episode was running a bit short. Oh, that could have been the case, yeah. So what happens is they shoot the, the, the gas, the whole ship flashes up with a nice radioactive flash, which we see because... Of we get a good look of John's skeleton yeah. for a moment there. Yeah, full X-ray of... Uh... Yeah, if you get that amount of radiation that you can see that, then, like, yeah, the suit's not going to help. Mm. Because he's Yikes. wearing the suit and you can see the bones through the suit. We'll give them some artistic license here. Yeah. Uh, they're using the trope of, uh, I guess, almost oh. a cartoonesque trope. Which... All rays are X-rays. Oh, yes. And then we get the scene where they are still in the fan room. There's a lot of wind coming from it those takes fans. so long. And, yeah, there's Peril. Chiana gets sucked away. John grabs her. Uh, Raj has to turn the fans off, and he can't find the, the enormous button, which is right in front of his nose the entire time. Well, he, he just eventually picks a random one, which happens to be the be same the right one, one. Yeah. that he pressed before, that did fire before. But okay. Which then saves Chiana. There's a little quip about her keeping her pants on, even though they're kind of sagging. You still got your pants on. Well, that'll be your first. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good look. <laughs> Yes, because he, uh, uh, Crichton, like, held on by her pants. Like, I think literally grabbed her by the by the crotch that had been sagging way down. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, there, that, okay, so that was the peril plot. And the only part in that is that Lola actually has to push Moya out of the way of the re-emerging wormhole, which is Powerful again, shit, which is again a little bit more uh, manufactured peril. Well, let's call it that. The captain says... Abandon ship. Gargo. Can your vessel pull us clear? Buy us time. I hardly believe it's worth the effort. This Leviathan is gone. Lola could move Moya, but it's worth the risk. To, yeah. To put a little, sus- put a little suspense on it. But all of this is really just window dressing for the B plot. Or yeah, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is gossip. Yes, out of control gossip. If I hear any gossip, 
a joke in the officers' club, anything at all. Yes, I'm. I'm so glad that you that you agree that this is what the episode is about. Because it begins when uh, Chiana and Aaron are out doing their their inspection, and Aaron decides she's gotten herself ready to talk to John, and then this happened, and she can't sort of let and, it out. Yeah, so she, she kind of has to keep talking. Yeah. So yeah. she tells Chiana, "I'm pregnant," and oh, yeah, it might not be John's. Oh, you 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 mean the other Crichton? No, maybe not that one either. Maybe not that one either. Yes. <gasps> oh and my I, god! And I'm kind of surprised, or maybe even amazed, that Chiana doesn't ask the obvious question. Okay, so there is a deleted scene here. This episode that I happened to watch as part of my research. I didn't have it uh, have it queued up, mm-hmm. but it's a similar scene where she and Aaron are talking, and she gives her some advice on men. <laughs> Most men, <sighs> toys. Use, abuse, lose. Simple. Another one. You know, you know the one. Him, you stay close to. Men are easy, says Chiana, and then Aaron chuckles. Well, yeah, because you are. <laughs> Which I can understand why that fair, was taken. I fair. mean, that was it was it was fun banter between friends, right? But so in that in that context, does it occur to Chi that it would occur to Aaron to stay monogamous as as a condition of a relationship? Well, I'm not even thinking of it as at relationship level. I'm thinking of it as an opportunity level. Oh, yeah. When did you have time to... Yeah. yeah. When did you get laid? When did you tell me? There again, probably she's been she's been getting her itch scratched whenever she wants to. Like, right. When she gets the, the itch, she's a hot-blooded young woman. No, she is a self-declared sexual libertine. So whenever she goes down to a planet, she'll probably find some opportunity. Fair enough. And you she know, might so. be thinking that Aaron's been doing the same. Although I'd just like to think that she... Well, I would not like to think, but I would assume that she knows that that's not Aaron's way of doing things. But, yeah. Sure, but you... There are things that we all do that we assume are so normal that everyone does them. Right, and some can be like, I don't know, sleeking a little burp or fart when you really need to, because you just need to every now and again, right? right? Which we don't publicly acknowledge, but we know we all do. But we actually don't know that we all do, right? I suppose not. Yeah. And then there are some things that are sort of culturally determined. Uh, and sex is a, 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 you know, the the sexual bodily functions are a really good example uh, about that because not everyone yeah. has the same sex drive, but we have. Uh, some of us have hormones or, you know, other, right. other bodily no, functions. Point. But yes. So, well, like, what I'm saying is, like, without judgment, mm-hmm. right, it might not occur to Chi that everyone is as slutty as I am, but it might occur to her everyone is a, just a regular person like I am, and regular people do this. Yeah, and she might have had her a little chance of nookie. Still, you know, yeah. admir- so, admirable anyway. that she doesn't ask, like, who then? You'd right, yeah. still be curious, like, okay, like, uh, again, on the whole gossip things, like... Not John. Who? Because I didn't notice you getting any nook. Like, when did this happen? Like, tell me more about it. Like, (laughs) tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And Aaron sort of asserts, hey, but I I don't want John to know this, all right? And she is really heartfelt. No, that's your speech to make. No, absolutely. Yes, and don't tell anybody else either. 
No, she doesn't say that. Doesn't she? Oh, no, she just said, that's a don't tell John. Right, yes. <laughs> so she immediately, first opportunity, tells Dargo. Tells Dargo. No. I swear. And then also tells the bit that Aaron doesn't know who it is, but Crichton mustn't know. Yes. Who told you this? You can see her hesitate there. Yeah, she it's just like, realizes oh, what she's done. Crud. Yeah, uh, Rigel told me. Blame <laughs> <laughs> like, it on Rigel. <laughs> She's such a teenager. Oh, she's so now this is a this is sort of college age twenty somethings. When you when you when you think that you're being really mature with the information then you realize, oh no, I'm still a dipshit. Well, yes, I mean that, and that gets like turned around immediately afterward. Because the next time she and Aaron are talking, Aaron goes like, Yeah, that conversation, can you forget about that? I like really didn't want that information out of there. This is where we Yeah. Yes, exactly. she's, she's been like she's been prepping for the talk and everything she wanted to say had to come out and it came out to Shana instead of to John. And now since so she's vented, she's actually been able to sort of oh, think about it and like she like, says, I'm not even sure I'm going to tell John. Yeah. So can we just forget about it? And she's like, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, no yep. problem. No and problem. she's like, <laughs> Because Dargo, being the good friend he is, immediately, yeah. when the opportunity comes around, like, let him know that John is... She even asks Dargo, hey, you can't tell John. And Dargo won't make that promise. Yeah. He won't make that promise. And I thought this was really good, because he, he goes to John and he tells him, like, I know where it's pregnant. Gianna told me. She heard from Rigel. Okay, so the whole ship knows. Well, I don't think Moya Moya, knows. Yeah, I thought that, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> she probably doesn't care. And he tells Crichton that Aaron doesn't know whether it's John Crichton's. Like, yes. that's how she says it, how he says it. Mm. Like, immediately covering their bases. Could be the other John. And that's a bit of a blow to John. Yes. He's like, oh, whoa, what's been going on here? And Dargo's ready for him. Uh, and also sort of, like, tells him, hey, either way, you're going to get hurt, so be ready. Yeah. Which is a really good sort of friend move to do. Yeah, I don't think there's a way that this is not going to be painful. This just sucks. Yeah. But, like, I'm going to give you the information, I'm going to give you the, the opportunity to make these these choices yourself, which I thought was... I mean, I've got it written down how sensitive Dargo is. Right, he's episode. got the best pep talks. Like, I noticed yeah. that at another place in the episode as well. Oh, with like, Rigel, right? Yes, when he's, <laughs> yes, when he finds Rigel sulking up in the up in the command and not doing the function that he was supposed, supposed to, be to be doing, doing there, and he immediately understands why that is, and he says, "You know, you shouldn't blame yourself." Yeah. Oh, but, but I was the cat, and this is where I'm like, uh, yeah. come, come to the point where uh, Rigel, like, he knows responsibility and he feels responsible. And this yeah. is actually one of the first few times that he actually shows that, that he feels responsibility. And because he was like, he was in command, he was the captain. It happened, happened on his watch. Even though there was nothing he could have done to prevent it, he still feels responsible. Rigel, you're often insufferable. But, uh, it's not your fault. I was captain. Yes, you were, and uh, pilot's pilot, and Moya's a leviathan. No matter what orders you give, they're not going to fly into something they can't sense. But this plant, this fungus... Didn't register. Still, I was in charge. And that's really like, like that. interesting insight into Rigel's psyche. Because he'll 
always blame someone else. Yeah. But that's a sort of strategic thing that, as a you know, as a as a as a dictator, you sort of have to do. But in his internal world, yep. he still feels it. And Dargo gives him a great pep talk, which is say, "Okay, th- this is not your fault. There are so many better reasons to hate yourself yes. than this." <laughs> which is fantastic, like, like soaking while others are out there risking their lives. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Like, hate yourself for the things you are doing wrong, not for the things that you can't have no control over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Darko is fantastic like that. Which makes it, like, in retrospect, unsurprising how the election goes. Yes. Hang on. Are we done with the whole. We're not done with the the, the gossip talk yet. No, but I think the last part of the gossip is is the very, very end. Yes. Okay. Between John and Aaron. Fair, fair enough. So let's do the the election because last episode, Pilot and Moya asked for a, a, a captain, mm-hmm. a single voice for us to follow. And who, like, did you have an idea who that was going to be? Oof, I kind of, I honestly expected there would be more infighting on the whole matter. I kind of expected that there was going to be a bit of more argument, at least on-screen argument, between the crew about who should be captain. I did too! So, no, I didn't actually give it any consideration because I wanted to see how that developed. Yes, exactly! Because <laughs> like, even like when we were recording the last episode, it didn't occur to me to ask you to hypothesize because I sort of thought, again, I haven't seen season four in quite a while, yeah. I thought it would take much longer to get to the resolution and we'll have some fun, like, bickering and arguing. Yeah, so... I- the interesting thing is like, okay, what are we doing here? Like how the election came out because there was like, all right, I've five read, I wrote candidates. down the votes, right? For you, if you, unless you have them yourself, but no, go on. I, I try to like write it down from what I remember. So, okay, one vote for Rigel yes. by Rigel. Yes, right. No, of course, <laughs> yes. One vote for Scorpius by Sakozu. Yeah, we get a close up on her. She's got like she's got that puppy love look on her. Uh, yeah. One vote for Erin. I'm thinking, now, who do you think? John. Okay. I, I think have, John. My first, my first thought was Pilot, and then I crossed that out. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to who, who it was later. Uh, the Divine Eternal, which was Noranti, who was I on think the ballot. so, yeah. So I, I wasn't sure. Like, okay, I didn't catch on that fact that that was something else entirely. I thought for a moment there that Noranti was refer, being referred to as the Divine Eternal. It could Eternal. well be. But yeah, there's like a definitely But we haven't there. heard that before. But right. I think it was just like a, a, a write-in. Mm-hmm. And then there was four for Dargo. Yeah. I don't think Dargo would have voted for himself. And mm. so I think that the vote for he, Aaron yeah. would have to be Dargo. Okay, I think Dargo would vote for himself. Now, sensitive Dargo, who, who understands... The, the sort of burden of leadership? Yes, I think so. I mean, he definitely would have in the past. Uh, without question. He yeah. tried to uh, elevate himself to captaincy in like, right. episode so, two. Uh, this ship needs a leader, and none of you have what it takes. From now on, I am in charge. I think he would still do that. I mean, he could. So, but it is, you know, I mean, I, I give fair. you a good point that there's a, like, our vote for Aaron could have come, come both from... John and from Darko, especially in the light of the conversation that happens after we get the results of the vote. Yes. Because John and Aaron, it's a little bit, you know, like he might not be so much into, I mean, still into her, but Ooh, actually, actually, actually electing, voting for her as cat, I mean, he could, might still be able to think that she would make a good captain. Whoa, but, I'm actually coming back around. 
Because there's more at play. Like, Aaron did abandon Moya, leave Moya, but Fair. so did everyone else. Yeah. But she trusts Scorpius. And so, like, a pilot would have voted for Aaron at any point in the in the series, but now that she left him... She might have uh, voted for Dargo, yeah. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, true. Oh, it's really tricky. I'm, I'm, I'm captivated. Actually, to the, 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 the readers at home, I don't think we have a good way to communicate because sofarscape at gmail.com was already taken and in a huff then I didn't find a, a, another email address to fill in. But go ahead and go to sofarscape.com slash submit. That's the one. Yes. Uh, and use the sort of submissions to for, for yeah, episodes. Tell, us who, you, tell just, us who you think would have voted for, who put the uh, vote in and why. Yeah, I'd be curious to know that. Yeah. And and put those in 407. So we'll definitely find them. It'll be very confusing when we get to 407. And those going to make, might have to be a little And bit some of them are going to be synopses and some of them are going to be stories. But that's okay, oh, we'll yes. figure that out. We'll and figure then that we'll out. have a little back talk about that at some later point. Yes. Okay. And then we get the final sort of scene between John and Aaron. Yes. The big conversation between John and Aaron. Yeah. Because there's another, there's more to be... I mean, it kind of ended like this last time round as well. With a lot being unsaid. Yes. There, we didn't see Aaron being prepared to really say anything. No. And this time, we didn't see Aaron being prepared to really say anything. Yes. And this time she is. But now everything gets explained. Because yeah. uh, it turns out like, oh yeah, I know about the fact that you're pregnant and I know that the fact that it might not be mine. So we learn a little new factoids about peacekeeper anatomy that they can delay pregnancies. Ha-ha. Not even can they delay, it kind of happens automatically. If you're born on a uh, command carrier, then basically whenever you get pregnant, it gets delayed and only a physician can release it and uh, yes, yeah. uh, continue the pregnancy. And that, so it, it can be up to seven cycles, so she might have uh, been, yeah. been pregnant before they knew each other. Although you, one would imagine that that's the kind of thing that would show up in periodic physical... You'd think so, right? yeah. That's a very good point, actually. Still also doesn't know how Granny knew this, but... Yeah. And why suddenly now she leaves, she leaves because of this whole pregnancy issue. So it leads to believe that it's a more recent event. Oh, she found out about it and on the command carrier, where she probably did have like oh. her periodic physical. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I only found out on the command carrier, and I haven't had it DNA tested yet. And that one yeah. shows that she would, maybe it's an maybe it's an annual or the, you know a cyclical kind of thing. Uh, right, so, but she hadn't had access to... Well, I mean, that kind of suggests that it either happened in the last year before she got... Like, maximum, you'd imagine, right? Yeah, and somewhere in the period in between. Yep. So, I mean, the options are in that case are John, was his face from Look at the Princess. Oh, did she bang him? We don't know, but they could... I mean, it No, I think it just broke his leg. I mean, that wasn't, no one, that wasn't her fault. <laughs> no, no it, wasn't. it also wasn't okay. Well, fine. <laughs> she was clearly she was clearly into him, so there might have been banging involved. Hell yeah. Uh. Um, Velarek was like two years or more before uh, that was. Yeah, that's the a show started. Should be. I mean, assuming that like they would have picked it up before she had uh, the incident with Moya. Yeah, that would have been unlikely to be Velarek's, but. Uh. There might have been Anybody other rec- there might have been other recreational activities. You don't know. She was into Larac. Yeah. True. She did get gene spliced with Pilot. Hey, let's not forget about that one. Oh, just occurred to me right now. Good 
point. But yes. that could be an interesting hypothesis for this series that I've definitely already seen. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You you had mentioned this 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 biological ability before, and I remember being very proud of my uh, poker face. Going, oh really? Are there animals that can delay their pregnancy? Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> also, why are I only just noticed? Why are they having this conversation in the fan room? I know. <laughs> I guess they wanted to show off the new set. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Like we spent ages building this, or maybe he's doing repairs. Maybe he's repairing oh, the the, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. the broken fan. But yeah. Uh, yeah, John's not really buying it. Like, well, he's buying it, but he's telling them they're like, yeah, I can't. Like, I can't trust you emotionally. It's like I'll, I'll trust you with my life, but I can't trust you with my heart because. He knows that she doesn't trust him. Yeah. And that's like relationship, he, the way he says it. A relationship, the kind we're not having, is based on trust. And <sighs> like, it took her this long to sort of figure out these are the bits of information that I'm, I'm prepared to tell John. And John realizes, okay, this is, this is a perfect alibi, but you came here through like a process of elimination and strategy, Rather, not yeah. because this is the truth and that's what you share with the, the person that you that you share your life with. Yeah, and she's clearly like, okay, so what do I need to do to write this? It's not even the words. Like, This is such a, a fantastic sort of reversal of traditional gender roles in in storytelling. Oh, yeah, it's very special. Where normally it's the, it's the man who is asking, you know, because women are mysterious and their hearts are unlovable yeah. depths of confusion, who, who ask, what do I need to do to make it right? <clears throat> and then not receiving an, an, an answer. And that's the case, the, the situation that she finds herself in. Because what John says is, come back when you've got your story straight. Yeah, which... Which I thought it was a little bit weird because that like uh, seems to imply that he is still think that she's lying. Like when you got your story straight, that sounds like yeah. something you say. Like yeah, you, you whatever you're making, you're you're making something up and like work it out when you have the definitive version, and I'll see what I think about that. Because I think in this case, she is being, she's not telling him anything that's untrue. No, but he doesn't know whether she's telling him everything that is true. Yes. I mean, it's or, like the truth, but not necessarily the whole truth. Right. Yeah. He, like, she hasn't earned that trust from him through her through her actions. Like she, no. had, she could have told him all this last episode straight away, but instead she chose to think about what she was and wasn't going to tell him. So even if it's all true, which mm. she doesn't necessarily have to believe. Right? She's, yeah, she still has built up a history of withholding information. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think in this moment that he knows for sure that she's being honest when she says she doesn't know who the father is. Yes. Even disregarding whether that matters to him. Of course it matters. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it matters somewhat. We don't know to which, to which degree. Because there are, you know, there are lots of families that are not as, like, genetically nuclear and that yes. is a totally valid form of, 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 of family. Mm. Adoption, surrogacy... Various people's, like, reproductive histories or whatever. Yeah. I thought this was a really good episode for sort of setting, uh, for showing men setting their emotional boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Which is not something that you see very often, to, to, to really no. sort of consider their vulnerability and to do that together. Because there's a real sort of boys club and girls club 
going on for, for like people who have shared experiences opening up to one another. Mm-hmm. Rigel and Darko, Darko and Crichton, Aaron and Chi, certainly yes. do a very good. Chi and Sokozu, also a little yeah. bit. Because you, you, you mentioned that, that like she was, being, she was showing herself being top dog. I think that's certainly there as well. But I think there's also a little bit she was maybe like worried for Sokozu. She was maybe like... Yes, like, be, care, be careful of uh, right. Scorpius. He's more dangerous than you think. Tough love kind of thing. Like, yeah. uh, like a big sister who maybe doesn't express her emotions quite And so even well. if you don't know why, uh, this is still something you should uh, be aware of. And she does it in her typically heavy-handed way. Yeah. And Sikozu and, and Naranti in her, in her own way as, yeah. as well. Gosh, there are really a lot of conversations between, like... Women, women amongst themselves and men amongst themselves in this yeah. episode. I really love that. I also kind of dig how uh, Scorpius is. I mean, he's not like part of the crew, but he's like he's proven useful several times now, and yeah. he's kind of like uh, you know, oh, it happens to be like the thing they said, which didn't turn out to be the final solution, but it led them to the solution to the problem. I mean, he did and encourage it- everyone to abandon the Dial Leviathan because. He is an absolutist when it yeah, comes to survival. But he also, like, yeah, you know, saved the day by taking Rigel literally out of pilot's clutches. Mm. While also showing that he he was honest when he said that he's on that ship by choice. Yeah. They're not keeping him there. Right? That- yeah. He could have yeah, he could have gotten out of those change sooner and he probably could have also couldn't get out of the prison cell. He probably chose to be in that prison cell. If he didn't already, I mean that's what Sikozu thinks. Yeah. That he can already just sort of light fires outside to, to, to get some attention. And, like, she absolutely loves that. Okay, so, so this means we have quite a challenging uh, button ahead of us. Yep. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. All right, well, my willy yeah. is pilot going in his, like, you know, oh. completely... That, that scene actually gave me... Gently, like, uh, oh my god, right? that looks like that looks horrible and terrifying, and like a little and bit disgusting. And yeah, that's definitely an easy willy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Ah, oh, I think I'm going to have to join you because I mean, if you hadn't been so against the unaerodynamic nature of those fans, I might have had a little conniption about it. But you know, I've got to be contrary. You know, I've got to. <laughs> Stand up when fair, you stand fair, against. Fair. Oh no, my willy is for the protected fan scene at the end. Oh yes, that, yeah. that sort of unearned peril that just went on for too long. I mean, the the episode kind of leaned quite heavily on that anyway, with the whole plant thing going on, putting Moya in danger. But no, and then had to also do the yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the I mean, not literally. I mean, almost literally a cliffhanger, except the cliff was a fan in this case. Yeah, which uh, and like. All, all peril is, of course, manufactured, of which course. is totally fine. But yeah. if it comes down to Rigel, like sitting there waiting for Rigel to choose which button to press, like that's that's not. Yes, and there's the no meantime, emotional little... turmoil. There's no... no. So that's it for me. All right. Okay. Then the Woody. Yes. I mean, okay. I kind I I dug how much we got to see about uh, Granny's eye, third eye. That was kind of cool. Oh yeah. I nice. also dug the, the 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 ski goggles and the breathing mask that everybody yeah, we was even wearing about it. All, yeah. all, all throughout three episode. But I think it's going to have to go to John's El Wire spacesuit because that oh, looks so cool. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually worn that before. Yeah. It, it just like stood out a little bit more to me this time. I yep. guess it was like I mean because he wears it like. Almost throughout the episode, after he uh, goes out with Dargo onto the outside of the ship for the first time. Yeah, 
Uh, I think he first got that on Talon. Oh, that seems like a Talon kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Green-Eyed Monster, that's when they they had those. But yeah, it, he looks so tron. I mean, what did he wear when they were stuck in the, beside the Budong? I mean, that was on Talon, so that might have been... That actually, was the that episode. Yeah, that was that the, the first time yeah, you yeah, saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so before been. that, it's just been these like polyester, leather, pleather, kind yeah. of black... Uh, if it wasn't uh, his, own, his own suit from the module. Oh, yeah, also that. Yeah. And his... Like space football Sp- helmet. helmet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're Woody. Oh, tricky! Actually, I'm sort of retroactively like re- rescinding my own Willy for not having Audrey Two as uh. the. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you can't. Okay. You can't. You can't have a Willy for something that's not in the episode. <laughs> exactly. So I guess like the 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 heart to heart conversations, like not even the the sort of Chinese whispers kind of game of that was, that was fun uh, of telephone like, was lots yeah. of fun. But, like, people really talking about what they're feeling and, like, advancing as characters. Like, they're modeling sort of good behavior, which is not necessarily that they're all particularly, you know, emotionally insightful. Mm-hmm. But they care about each other enough to to really think about what they're going through and to want to help one another. Yeah. Honestly. So. And that's the story so far, Scape. You can join us next week for another fanfic. Let's see if we can uh, find another one at, at Terra Firma or otherwise. Whoa! Oh, 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 yes, yes. I have it sitting right here. Kay, I am super behind on the delivery of your mailbag. Oh, oh. Because, yeah, Dang. we have... We have another episode of the uh, Farscape magazine. calling them episodes, so, uh, you weirdo. <laughs> Uh, it's a sub- no. What is it? What's the word? It's a issue. Issue. Thank you. Yes. Oh, okay. But that has biological um, connotations. I don't have issues. I've got a whole subscription. <laughs> John in yeah. leather pants again. So this episode is Farscape. What does it say? It's number number one. It is number. Oh, where is it? Four. Number four. Number four. And this is the like cosmic the end girls, of the female of the species. She's the one. Yep. Gigi actually chats about Shana. New Crichton story by Farscape writer Lily Taylor. Ooh, oh, maybe we'll do that one. Q and Hey, Zan interrogated. Uh. Uh. <laughs> so this was like, ooh. Second half of season three, uh, uh. toward the end of season three, like they actually talk with Virginia Hay about uh, about her departure and the and the final scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some, some mention of like the women behind the scenes, although the story is told mostly by David Kemper, so, you know, not fully passing the Bechdel test. Oh, look, there's a big group photo yes, of the entire production team. Oh, and it's uh, like a in front massive of a group photo. Massive matte painting, which looks like one of the cities, I suppose, that we've seen at some point. In oh, the... yeah. Oh. They got a bit a big psych behind it's, them. It's always hard to like like leaf through one of these and like, explain what I'm seeing while I'm going through this uh, magazine. Because like, oh yes, like oh this is exciting. Like, oh, this is oh, so good. like little gasp of air, <laughs> like another sound of a page turning. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> So, oh, God, I'm going to have fun with this. Oh, uh, and take a look at the very back cover. The little, uh, the figurines, yes. I know, the action figures. Ah, like, yes. Like so many Captain nerds Bilar out there Crace. kicking myself that I didn't, like, invest some of my pocket money at the time in these absolutely ungettable toys. Rigel with a big hooker, yes. <gasps> he's got the hooker. He's got and, the hooker, yeah. And Scorpius has the, has the things in the side of his head. I, every every now and again, I, I, I look on eBay to see whether there's to see maybe one of them has has reached the market for like an affordable price because yeah. we have promised our Patreon subscribers that It'll if there's any leftover stupid things and yes. like a 
a little action, a sort of posable action figure, even two, if we can make them kiss. Oh, dear, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, here, a gorgeous shot of uh, Gigi uh, doing some poise spinning on set. Yeah. Showing off her uh, her acrobatics. There's, yes. uh, there's also a photo her of trapezoid her. trapezoid skills. <laughs> uh, Jewel uh, showing off her uh, her gymnastics at a, at oh, a yes. convention. Man, if we could have a time machine and just go back and... Oh, How wonderful would that be? Fanboy out there. Yes, yeah, right. that would be amazing. Like back in the days. Oh, oh I, shiver, <laughs> I shiver with excitement. All anyway, right, so that's so for you to enjoy. Next, next week we'll have a fanfic for uh, our uh, our friends of the show to enjoy. And after that... Episode 407. Yeah. John Quixote. <laughs> How weird can things get when trapped in a game based on John Crichton's exploits? Very. <gasps> Very. Yes, that's right. Thank you for joining us once again. You can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter. Send us your submissions or your sort of like who theory you on who voted. Yes, be. who is the one who voted for Aaron? Uh, send that to us in uh, sofarscape.com slash submit and make sure that that goes to, uh, to 407. Actually, now that I'm realizing this, by the time that this airs, 407 will be closed. So just pick whatever the next number is going to be and we'll do that. Good point. Yes. It's timey-wimey, you know, yes. how, we, how we do we recordings. We record this a few weeks ahead of time, so it's... <laughs> Uh, there's also sofarscape.com slash synopsis if you have an idea for uh, for a fanfic that you want to read. Although, honestly, like between the magazines and Terra Firma scapers, we're probably going to be good for a while. And, of course, sofarscape.com slash support if you want to help fund our quest for one of these action figures, which I'm now realizing, like, hey, we have some significant contributions for our fans. Like, we're paid back the, the, the money that we spend on our recording equipment. Our hosting's been covered. Our, uh, our subscription on the audio editing is covered. But we're going to need to, like, triple or quintuple our income if we're going to afford one of these action figures oh, by damn, the end of the year. Oh, they go for that kind of money. It's insane. That is insane. Oof. Our friend Bostich has one. He has oh. a Zan. Oh. Which he will not be parting with. Well, He's already no, I, can't, I can't imagine that he would. <laughs> yes, so. Thank you for joining us. We love you all. So far, Skip. Uh, I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, far Skip, so, so good. good. I almost got it right. Yeah, almost. Thanks, <laughs> 